When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson. I'm sports editor at the Edmonton Sun and the Edmonton Journal, and this is our Oilers podcast for St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 2017. With me uh, on the phone today is our Hockey Hall of Fame columnist, Terry Jones. How are you, Terry? Not bad, Craig. Yourself? I'm doing fine. Heading into the weekend here, and uh, you know, of course, we have an Oilers game every other day, pretty much here from now to the end of the season. A dozen games left, and last night we saw the Oilers dominates a. Uh, uh, I would call them a formidable foe, the Boston Bruins. They're not in the conference, but they are a good team. And the Oilers uh, showed that they can come out and take command of a game right away. It was uh, one of the most impressive games of the season that way against, uh, as you said, Craig, a team that uh, is actually built uh, in the uh, mold that uh, Peter Chiarelli is trying to build the Oilers. Uh, I mean, heavy, hard hockey team. Uh, the difference being is that uh, Edmonton has Connor McDavid going forward, and uh, that has it's kind of like throwing Bobby Orr into that uh, Bruin uniform. But uh, I mean, just what happened last night with uh, the combination of what happened the uh, two days before that against Dallas. I mean, that's the first time since Gretzky was here in 1988 that an Oilers team has combined for back-to-back games with seven or more goals on consecutive home games. Now the owners have we you know they've been trying to find some consistency. Even they they keep having these. They had those two five day breaks, the All Star game break, then they had the bye week, and you know they would have come out you know somewhat flat. But you know heading into the All Star break, they were they were gangbusters good. They were as good as anybody in the league at the time. You know kind of like the Calgary Flames right were right now up until their last game. But now here we have the team putting it all together. They obviously they have secondary scoring. McDavid is. The catalyst for this team, but when you have Pat- Patrick Maroon scoring almost 25 goals, Drysaddle scoring, um, of course, they're his line mates, but you're also getting the scoring from the second line there with uh, Nugent Hopkins, Eberly, and Lucic. We're just seeing the play being elevated on all four lines. Well, I've been kind of amused, to be honest with you, throughout this whole process. Uh, uh, you know, having been, uh, you know, going back to, well, the first WHA, but uh, with the uh, you know going back to the Oiler era, plus the eras where they you know had all those playoff series with Dallas, wonderful playoff series, and that. I mean, we were used to covering and watching playoff games here. I've covered 251 and a half Oiler playoff games, and I've waited 10, 11 years. 
generation of hockey fans, uh, young hockey fans, obviously, who have never seen the Oilers play a playoff game. And they've been going through, uh, you know, nothing but negative, and, and they've got not ha- had in the last month or so, as you relate back to that uh, all-star break and everything, nothing but angst about, uh, you know, the the sky falling and the, you know, they've been out on the ledge. And so I think that game last night, and I think that's the point, is uh, I think the entire city of Edmonton is now got their head wrapped around the idea that this team is going to make the playoffs. Yes, it, it really does look that way. I mean, uh, they've been you know they've been consistently winning. We obviously haven't written them off all year long. I don't even know if they've been out of the playoff picture since the beginning of the season. I don't think they have. Um, no, but, but they, they dropped down into into wild card territory uh, with that loss to Montreal. I think it was. Uh, but I mean, you know, from what you're saying, uh, this is a very young hockey team. Uh, you know, let's take Drysdale. He's played more games than anybody in the NHL this year. I mean, he had to he had to play for Germany to qualify for the Olympics. Then he went into the uh, World Cup of Hockey thing, and uh, I mean, and this this is a guy that uh, you know was in the Memorial Cup two years ago. Uh, it's uh, you know, and a junior hockey player. Uh, I mean, he's just he's going to go through some spots for. I mean, you see it all the time with with. Uh, with not just the uh, kids out of the Western Hockey League or the, you know, the OHL, but you see it with, with kids out of uh, Europe where they play, you know, 40, 50 game schedules. They get into this territory, uh, you know, game 68 or whatever we're at here. Uh, I guess we're coming up to game 70. We're at game 70 for the next one. Uh, they are not used to playing that number of hockey games. And, uh, you know, a guy like Lucic, uh, you know, he knows that uh, he's here to to uh, to do what Luchik is famous for doing at this time of year and in the playoffs, and you start to see him do it now. Uh, you know, it's been a real uh, concern and uh, mystery to some extent, uh, with particularly with Everly, because he's a consistent, you know, twenty to thirty goal scorer. Uh, you know, he's struggled most of the year. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I've got a lot of time for for what he does at both times ends of the ice. Clearly, there was a, a major loss of confidence along the way. But to put those three together on that line, I mean, it's looking like they're going to get there and stay there for the rest of the year now. Uh, you take a look, you mentioned Maroon. Uh, you know, I don't think the chances are very good of him having the kind of numbers he has if he's not playing with Connor McDavid. I wouldn't say that of Drysaddle because he's proven he's been bouncing back and forth between, you know, his natural center position on the second line and what he's doing now. He's, uh, you know, he makes other players around him better. But, uh, I mean, Maroon is just living a dream year, and uh, fans are in love with him, uh, that whole thing with his kid. uh, You know, it's just been a great, great story. And it seems like uh, you get talking about the Oilers for a long period of time, and you, you go on and on and on, and you keep forgetting to mention the guy in goal because he's been a very big part of this story. Uh, Camus uh, Talbot has been, uh, you know, I think the story of the season almost. Yes, he really has. And, uh, I mean, obviously when you have, you know, back-to-back seven-goal games, the offense certainly takes a front seat. But, you know, Cam Talbot is, I don't know how many wins away he is from Grant Fuhrer's record back in 1988 now, but he's played 60-plus games for the Oilers, and, 
you know, I don't know if there's a there hopefully will be an opportunity to get Laurent Brassois a start net here among these last 12 games, but they do have some very big games coming up against you know tough Pacific Division opponents. Although you know the Oilers themselves are have now become a tough Pacific Division opponent because they have the size. Um, so you know the San Jose's, the LA's, the Anaheim's, they're right they're right up there with them when it comes to the physical game. Well, if you take away, let's say. Uh, eight minutes of that Montreal game, and they did not play uh, very well for the first 52, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, uh, I mean, that, that Pittsburgh game was the best game in the National Hockey League this season. I mean, it was just wonderful stuff. And they played there every lick of the way. And uh, as was the case with the Boston game last night, uh, you know, that first period, I mean, I saw more hockey in that first period last night than in some homestands of, of similar length uh, two, three, four, five years ago. Um, I mean, there were a couple of fights, some, you know, incredible physical action all over the ice. Uh, I, I always equate hockey to a, a bunch of little races and battles for the puck, and uh, and that was, those were playoff caliber in that first period, and, uh, you know, until the game got a bit out of hand. But if you take a look at the Dallas game, which, you know, you're playing against a team that, uh, you know, you're like going against air, and that one with some horrendous goaltending. But the but that game last night in particular, and that game against Pittsburgh, and and I mean that just showed you that this club could not only is not only going to make the playoffs, they're going to have a chance when they get in the playoffs. Greg, you know, you know, th- you know, in thinking about you know twelve games left, opponents, you know, they have five games against the likes of San Jose, LA, and Anaheim, but the magic number, you know, the magic point number for uh, the threshold for teams making the playoffs. Is uh, you know you read upon to be ninety points. The orders are only a few away, and I just even if they only if they went five hundred the rest of the way, that's that's playoff that's playoff time. Yeah, um, I look at it a little different because I mean you've got uh, you got three games against Vancouver and you got two against Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know which are kind of like your insurance policies, uh, but it's the games that I want to watch are the are the other seven. Uh, the three against L.A. and the two against uh, Anaheim and the two against uh, San Jose. And I'm not so much looking at them in terms of wins and losses. I'm looking at them in terms of what we watched last night with the uh, the compete factor, the, the, the playing playoff hockey, the uh, winning those battles, uh, just engaging the, 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 you know, the, the passion involved, uh, just as, as kind of a litmus test for, uh, getting prepared for the playoffs. That's how I'm looking at those games. And I couldn't care less about the other five against uh, Vancouver and uh, and, and Phoenix in, in those terms because uh, they're going to be different kinds of hockey games. But those seven against those you know, three Pacific Division teams uh, are going to tell a big story about what's coming ahead in uh, April. Now, you wrote t- in today's column uh, that... You the, playing the Flames in the first round of the playoffs, the owners don't necessarily want that. I mean, we want that because the rivalry, and it would be, you know, a return to what you know. Obviously, people of our generations remember the great owners Flames battles, and these two teams would be, I would think, be very entertaining to see in the playoffs. But you say you're not so sure you want the owners to play this Flames team in the first round. Well, uh, I'm not so saying that I'm saying it. Let's put it this way. If you're a hockey fan, you want the Oilers and the Flames in the playoffs. Let me take you back to uh, 
ESPN used to do uh, the NHL games in the U.S. And uh, since uh, they uh, got out of the rights-holding situation in hockey, uh, the various people like NBC that have taken over have always insisted that they have an American team involved. Of course, that hasn't been a big problem in the playoffs where Canada doesn't have any teams involved like last year. But the number one ratings ever uh, for hockey in the United States, uh, for NHL hockey in the United States, uh, was the Edmonton Calgary. They did all those games in that Edmonton Calgary series. I think it was in 91. And the numbers were just spectacular. That was, I mean, those series were fantastic hockey. Uh, and if you're a hockey fan, you want to see that series. Uh, but from, if you're an Oiler fan, and the whole idea is you want to see them win the first round, uh, I'm saying that, uh, you know, if you watched that Calgary club that, played, that won those 10 in a row, I mean, that was highly impressive. And, uh, you know, I know Edmonton fans were, you know, lamenting the uh, the dive in the standings that, that was going on, you know, in conjunction with that with the Oilers. But, uh, man, that was uh, impressive stuff from Calgary. Uh, do you want to play against a team like that? That's the question going forward. But from the same time, I'm sure the folks down in Calgary are saying, do we want to play against a team like Edmonton that not only beat Calgary all four games during the season, but a team that, uh, you know, had seven points in the last two games against Dallas and uh, particularly against Boston, a team that beat them 5-2 to two the night before? Well, it certainly has been a long time since we've had these two teams on, this, you know, I guess you could argue they're on the same plane. And, well, they're, they're practically tied in the standings. I mean, the orders are a point ahead right now, but, of course, they're trading places day-to-day, game-to-game. Um, you know, I was going to save it for the end of the podcast, but, you know, just, you know, talking about this and thinking back to what, you know, you were talking about earlier about a generation of fans never having seen the Oilers in a playoff. You know, I was talking with somebody who's, you know, in their early 20s, and, you know, even though they would have been, you know, they lived here in the city, and they would have been, a, you know, a child in 2006 to see the last Oilers playoff run, but, you know, I was talking about that, and, and you know, and I said, you know, but there was those playoff runs, and of course it was great. It's great anytime your team is in the playoffs, but I couldn't quite describe to him what it was like to see the Gretzky Oilers in the Stanley Cup years in the '80s, because that was something together altogether different. And and it was because that team was a great team, and you know they were in the Stanley Cup final. That was the last dynasty in the National Hockey League, and I suspect the pace remained that for forever. Maybe I don't know. Uh, never say never, but uh, the uh, let's put it this way. I mean, uh, I, I've kind of joked that uh, you know these last eleven years have been the hockey gods getting even with me for everything I saw at the front end of my career. With that, uh, they they might not have been the greatest playoff team in history because you really have to look at a couple of those Montreal Canadian teams that uh, were also dynasty teams, but they had to be the most entertaining and most exciting, and the Gretzky component, uh, uh, and the Messier component, uh, uh, you know, it was just uh, an incredible time to go to the building, and uh, I I mean, it was, uh, uh, I don't even know how to put it, you're, you're, you know, particularly with Gretzky, uh, you know, you keep saying, well, okay, now I've seen everything. And you see something else. It's like last night with, uh, you know, with McDavid. That uh, that play to 
had the career, and don't forget, I covered those five in a row Edmonton Eskimos with Warren Moon and those guys. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward just to you know to getting back to something resembling that, and uh, and I realize you're talking to somebody who's been spoiled ridiculously silly because I'm going to be covering uh, you know Connor McDavid at the end of my career after covering Gretzky at the front of my career. Yeah, you know, it, 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 one thing I did, you know, recently, I, I had the opportunity to play beer league hockey at the Northlands Coliseum. It'll be about a month, maybe a month or two ago. And, you know, the orders are no longer are there. There's no banners hanging from the rafters anymore. But just to, you know, stand, you know, on the ice at that arena, of course, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, consider who's skated here. Consider what's happened in this building. You know, it's it's it gives you chills. I'm I'm getting chills just thinking about it right now. But it's, it's the same as walking out on the on the field uh, uh, in Yankee Stadium before they rebuilt the place. Uh, you know that you know everybody from Babe Ruth to to uh, you know Joe DiMaggio to Lou Gehrig to Yogi Berra to Casey Stengel to uh, Mickey Mantle to. Roger Maris to Whitey Ford, uh, all those guys traversed that exact same field that you were standing on. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I suppose it's, you know, and in trying to tell, you know, my younger teammates who were in these 20s who had never experienced something like that, I guess they have to experience it, and I really hope they can, and I, I would suspect they will, you know, over time with this McDavid team, so... So there is that, you know, and and I'm going to switch gears, Terry. Um, you know, you're also you're writing a column. You've written the column to do with the Oilers and the Flames, but something completely different. We've talked a lot about playoffs and the potential to be in the playoffs. The specter of Alberta Standard Time and the effect that it would have on the Alberta teams in the NHL. It'll be in t- tomorrow's editions, but uh, it's uh, already up online. Uh, uh, if you want to take a look at it, at uh, I assume both uh, EdmontonSun.com and uh, Journal.com, uh, it is a story about. Uh, well, it's a reaction to a story from was it yesterday with uh, the uh, yeah the Alberta budget came was uh, yeah the day before yesterday. I think it was, sorry, uh, it wasn't that had to do with the budget. It was a private members bill by uh, yeah. Thomas Thomas Dang. Yeah, and uh, you know to put on the you know. It's a bill that, uh, to go back for Alberta to go back to uh, standard time, get away from daylight savings time, to basically join with Saskatch- you know, Saskatchewan uh, in not changing the clocks. And I mean, it's the most idiotic thing in the world if you're a sports fan. And uh, I phoned both the uh, Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers yesterday to get reaction, and uh, the reaction came from. Uh, uh, on behalf of both from uh, uh, Bob Nicholson of uh, the Oilers Entertainment Group. Uh, my point, and, and he went down the list and basically agreed with everything I said and added his own stuff in, the, in addition to it, is the Oilers are going to be on Hockey Night in Canada. They have been, uh, you know, consistently in the second game, you know, half half the weeks of the year, but it's going to be way more than that with McDavid going forward and a, and a championship caliber team coming on. Plus, Vegas is coming into the league. They've already got, and this is both Ed 
12 games in the Pacific time zone during the regular season, that's going to go up to about 15. And those Saturday night hockey night in Canada games that are already at 8 o'clock are now going to be at 9 o'clock if they do this. They're not going to get over to after midnight on occasion. Um, the uh, games that uh, start in Vancouver, uh, Anaheim, and San Jose, I believe, all start at 8 uh, Edmonton time, and I think LA is at 8.30. Uh, again, uh, that's going to be 9 and 9.30 and, and after midnight when they're kids who, you know, your peewee hockey player is going to be in bed after the first period. Uh, it's going to dramatically affect the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the television schedule. Even on the other side, uh, you'd be one hour after Ontario. And, uh, you know, there'd be the temptation to put up Oiler games to have people come to the rink at 6 so that the game could be on Eastern television primetime at 7 and, and, you know, upset the Eastern franchises for sure. Television certainly is, uh, you know, got a problem with this. Uh, the, the two organizations from a business point of view both have a problem with this. The two organizations that are representing their fan base certainly have a problem with this. It's idiotic. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, obviously the business side of things, uh, you know, affecting the bottom line, you know, and the advertising particularly on television, but also, yeah, just the specter of starting a game at 9 o'clock. radio rights would would be worth significantly less. Mm -hmm. Why do you think the Detroit Red Wings wanted out of the Western Division and into the Eastern Division? All those games in this division were on on those time zones. Now most of their games are on on Eastern time and prime time. They're thrilled. Same with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They used to be over in the Western Division. Well, it's an interesting quandary. We'll see what the response will be. Uh, I know there's a lot of hockey fans who are voters. <laughs> That's very true. Anyway, Terry, thanks very much for joining me today. Fun. Enjoyed it. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll do this again really soon, and uh, I expect, you know, soon, because we do have a playoff run to look forward to. There you go. All right. Thanks, Terry. All right. Thanks,